From the Financial Times in London, I'm Emma Jacobs and this is FT News. Co-working is a shape-shifting buzzword. It could just mean a workspace for people who work for different employers. Perhaps a designer renting a desk at a high street solicitor with room to spare. But polished operators are in the ascendant, proclaiming themselves to be workplace disruptors. What do these workplaces say about changes in jobs and society? On the line with me is Richard Greenwald, whose book, The Death of Nine to Five, catalogues the freelancer world. Hi, Richard. You've been following this co-working trend for the past seven, ten years now. Could you say a bit about how it's evolved? Sure. I've been researching the freelance economy, and through that I've been studying the places that folks have been working at. So, I mean, we know that as the fastest-growing sector of at least the white-collar economy is new creative-slash-freelancer positions, it's important to sort of look at the geography of where these folks are working. So there had been a trend early on, about 20 years ago, to work out of your home. What began to happen is that it was great for concentrated bits of time, but to spend all your time alone and isolated was somewhat problematic. So people started looking for places to work where they could be surrounded by people. As you know, the whole third office working out of Starbucks became a trend. What happened, though, is those places started to get too crowded, So some folks started to look for ways of having shared space. Some of them would rent places with a group of four or five people. They would go into business, rent that space, and then use it for their individual operations. What began to happen is into that marketplace, a few companies entered. For writers and freelance journalists, I think that market developed earlier. So there were writing spaces that had developed that I think became a model for some of this companies like Regis who focused on high-end either financial or IT individuals, they were looking for a corporate feel. So when folks went to visit, they would find a very corporate-looking space. I think as this became more and more prominent, there was a flexibility that was needed. So if you look like a place like WeWorks and other places like that, it has a more university commons feel to it. There are snack rooms, there are common spaces, there are shared work areas, there are open areas, there's you know small nooks and private offices. It's a, sort of a mix of things. And I think that really identifies the sort of shift we're in right now because while there used to be shame 10 years ago in being a freelancer and that's why you wanted an anonymous looking co-working space so you could pretend not to be a freelancer today it's so common that there's less shame in that so working out of one of these places doesn't signify downward mobility it actually could signal you know you're part of the new economy certainly with a valuation of over 15 billion we works the kind of poster child of these kind of workspaces but you think that they've had quite an important catalyzing effect on freelancers identity don't you i mean i think that that company and others they've made it okay culturally and socially to be a freelancer it's not something you had to hide i think that right now with such a high percentage of the economy in the freelance world and the recognition that the labeling of freelancers as entrepreneurs and thinking of some of these spaces as incubators and startup hubs Mm -hmm. has changed some of the way we look at this. And it also allows for freelancers to gather and find each other, which can have all sorts of unintended consequences. For good and bad? Yeah, I think for good and bad, depending on who you are. I mean, the good 
part of it, you know, and what we work and other companies try to sell is that you can network with other mm-hmm. freelancers all the time because one of the things that almost all the research here shows is that it's word of mouth and connections that gets the gigs. Right. So if you're working for a company and they like you, they might ask you for a reference for someone who does something related to what you do, but not quite what you do, because they have faith and trust in you. So you can recommend somebody. And if you're isolated working out of a spare bedroom, you might not have the same social network that you would if you worked in one of the shared office spaces. So you're able to network and at least know who's doing what. And there's also a new trend now for folks to take on bigger freelancing gigs and subcontract space beneath them. And therefore, you need to be in a space or a location where you have access to those resources. And that's something that the new co-working spaces can articulate. The other thing I think that this does speed up is a sense of there's more conversations or possible conversations about the conditions and what's going on. I think that in the past, many freelancers would automatically assume if they were struggling or not as successful as they wanted to be, assumed it was all their fault. That, that somehow they didn't do the right thing, they didn't have the right branding model, they mm-hmm. didn't have the right magic bullet of some kind to move them forward. And what is happening now in these conversations is they're recognizing that there's something else going on that's beyond them and that it's something more systematic. And I don't know how that will play itself out. I'm a historian of work, so I'll leave that to the social sciences. But I think there is a shift that will be happening in this space that is brought about by the co-working spaces by bringing people together that allows for those conversations and reimaginings of work. I'm still not sold on them 100%. I kind of think that some of the bigger places can be quite alienating and it makes you feel like you're one of thousands of quasi-colleagues Well, I think, you know, it's very hard to get adequate information from the companies for obvious reasons, but I'd be really interested in knowing what their membership roles look like. I mean, is it like, you know, a gym membership that people join and then they sort of tail off after a while? A lot of them say that they are like gym membership, but they mean it as in you can pay monthly, but they don't acknowledge that it tails off in February. Right. As as college graduation is coming upon Mm -hmm. us and many folks are going to enter the freelance economy, do they see a surge in memberships and does that dry up? So I think you're right. Some of these spaces are better than others. I think the ones that are somewhat more specialized tend to be better. I think companies like WeWorks who differentiate their model from, you know, surfing on various desks in open areas to private offices you do wind up with sort of an apartheid-like system where those more successful individuals who you might want to network with are closed off from anyone beneath them. I think it's really interesting. I mean, lots of people join it thinking that they're liberated from their old employers. I mean, a lot of mid-career shifts. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that I don't know if there's been much discussion on this, at least serious, but the notion that many of these folks think of themselves as entrepreneurs. They're little micropreneurs who are like startups, junior startups. And some of them are excited about the possibilities. And the longer they're in the trenches and the harder it gets, the more disillusioned about this new economy they become. But if they're only isolated, living alone, working alone, they're not able to sort of make those connections or have those conversations. I think that some of what happens in those spaces is they're learning to commiserate. And one wonders if they could use those spaces to organize in some way. What that would look like, I have no idea. But I think that's something like the Freelancers Union is looking at in the U.S. as, as sort of a possibility. 
because their dream is to create a union of freelancers. How do you organize folks if they don't have common workplaces, if they move from place to place? Well, you know, co-working spaces would be the target, I would imagine. The whole area is changing very quickly, it seems. Yeah, I mean, when I started doing research on this, I started looking at the 1980s and the first big downturn where a lot of white-collar workers were laid off and never got hired back, and many of them went into consulting. They called it consulting rather than freelancing. Mm -hmm. And as the economy improved, they never got back, many of them, into nine-to-five jobs. Some of them were really happy about it, and some of them were really embittered by this. And I think that the sense was at the time that this is a temporary situation in the economy in the United States in particular, and that it was just one little generational moment, and this is not the beginning of some new trend. But the reality is it was the Mm -hmm. beginning of this new trend. And we're looking right now at freelance work is the fastest growing professional work in the United States. And it doesn't have any of the benefits of security that these kinds of jobs would have had 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and it has all of the risk. So we've seen a huge risk in society, economic risks, social risks have shifted from institutions to individuals, and they're under an awful lot of pressure. And the question is, is this going to continue? Is this the new normal? And if so, what are the societal, political, and cultural shifts that will result from this economic change? And that's where I think it's going to be interesting to watch how it plays itself out. Well, thank you very much, Richard. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.